Downloads of this show are available on Podomatic.com and the Podomatic mobile app. Listen, all you New Yorkers. Hello. I hope no one's eating dinner. Something like that. What's up, everybody? It's 10 o'clock on Monday night, which means it's time for the next best thing. Dear Jesus. I'm your host, Jonathan B. Lerner, and I'll be with you for the next two hours. Well, get ready. Don't go anywhere. We have a great, 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 great show lined up for you tonight. I can't even contain myself. But before we get to any of that, we'd like to kick the show off by doing what we always do, and that is review all of the great and the not-so-great things that have happened on... This Day in History. Today is December 10th, and on this day in history, in 1817, Mississippi was admitted to the Union as the 20th American state. No thanks, you can have it back. On this day in 1851, American librarian Melville Dewey was born. He created the Dewey Decimal Classification System. You know, that thing we all used to learn before we stopped learning anything in school, like cursive, the Dewey Decimal System, how to write. On this day, in 1869, women were granted the right to vote. In the Wyoming Territory, nowhere else, just in that little Wyoming Territory. That's what happened on this day in history, and who knows, perhaps we'll make history right here tonight on Radio Free Brooklyn and be studied for years to come. But who are we kidding? Probably not. You're listening to The Next Best Thing. I'm Jonathan B. Lerner. Stay tuned or I'll haunt you in your dreams. Holy sweet mother of God, it is 10 o'clock on a Monday night, so you know what that means. Is it time for your favorite show ever? No! But it is time for the next best thing. I'm your host, Jonathan B. Lerner, keeping you company every Monday night from 10 until midnight right here on Radio Free Brooklyn. Can you hear me? One second. Testing. One, two, three. Are we on? Great. Anywho, let's do the housekeeping that we always have to take care of. Let's just get it out of the way right off the top. You can tweet at us. We are at Next Best Radio. That's at Next Best Radio. Or go ahead and like us on Facebook. Follow us on Facebook. A lot of stuff gets posted on our Facebook page, stuff that we talk about in any given episode, information, links to pertinent sites, all that stuff. Usually goes up on our Facebook page. That's facebook.com slash NBT radio. Also, if you're really feeling like you want to go all out and write it's more than 140 characters more than something you'd feel comfortable posting on a facebook wall you can always feel free to send us an email we are at next best thing at radiofreebrooklyn.org and lastly we do ask you to remember that we are fully listener and producer supported if you like what you hear on radio free brooklyn if you like what you hear tonight please consider going to our website going to this show's page and donating a little something something to keep us in business if you like what you hear tonight well a donation could ensure that you will get to hear more next week and the weeks after that uh if you feel so inclined you can go to rfb.nyc slash nbt again that's rfb.nyc slash nbt 
Oh, man, that was exhausting, wasn't it? It was for me. I'm sure it was for you, too. So, that's all the housekeeping I can think of right now. If I've forgotten anything... Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Good. Holy crap, it is a sauna up in here. I am... (laughs) It's gotta be a thousand degrees. And I'm sweating like a whore in church. And they sweat. Okay, we have a great show for you tonight. David Bradley Eisenberg is going to join us. He's been on the show twice before. He always comes in around the holidays to help us kick off the holiday season. But I briefly want to touch on something that I spoke about last week. I believe it was the first item of news that I brought up, and I think it's important that I address it. Last week, I opened the What's Going On in the News, What's Going On in the World section of the show by addressing a situation regarding Kareem Hunt, an NFL running back who the Chiefs, that's who he played for, ended up releasing him, basically firing him. Now, I did have a kind of a visceral reaction to this because he's a very good running back. And as I mentioned last week, I am from Kansas City, love the Chiefs, root for the Chiefs. They're doing very well this year, and he was a huge part of it. So knowing that he was now going to be taken out of the equation, the Chiefs will not be as good. But in my statements last week, it definitely sounded like I was trying to justify his actions and make a case for why I thought he should not have been released by the Chiefs. I don't feel that way. Not only should he have been released because of what he was caught doing in this video, but he also lied point blank to the Chiefs about it multiple times. I don't, there's really not any part of me at this point that feels like Kareem Hunt didn't deserve to be released. He did. He definitely did. So I wanted to clear that up because we will be talking tonight about political correctness and social justice warriors and where they and I tend to differ often. I consider myself a very liberal person, a very progressive. I'm really more of a progressive than a liberal, meaning I'm all for progress, for moving forward. But I also consider myself a very pragmatic and realistic person. And we'll talk about that, too, with David Bradley Eisenberg, a stand-up comic who, by the way, has a show coming up. He will be performing at the Sidewalk Cafe, 94 Avenue A. Sidewalk Cafe, hey, hey, hey. Sidewalk Cafe, Avenue A. For God's sake, shut up! He's a very politically tuned-in guy. We're both from Kansas City. Maybe he'll have an opinion on Cream Hunt. Who knows? But he'll be here soon. In the meantime, this is kind of breaking news. I'm reading in the New York Post as we speak, which, of course, is the paper of record. Nowhere. But... It says that Andrew Cuomo has ordered a last-minute review of L-Train shutdown plans. Now, that affects you, probably, if you're listening from Brooklyn. It certainly affects me. But let's read this together. Just four months away from a years-long planned shutdown of the L-Train, Governor Andrew Cuomo said Monday, today, that he would order a personal last-minute second look at the closure of the key line linking Williamsburg to Manhattan. Much more than Williamsburg. It goes far into Brooklyn. The April shutdown, which is looming and coming quickly, people, so get your asses ready. The April shutdown is currently scheduled to last 15 miserable months and will affect more than 225,000 New Yorkers who use the line to cross the East River every weekday. Every weekday, please. Every weekday, every weekend, every weeknight, everything. I use that thing all the freaking time. Now, 
Many New Yorkers, okay, so quote, many New Yorkers have come up to me and said they're concerned about this, Cuomo said on New York City public radio station WNYC. I mean, I can't tell you the number of people in Brooklyn who have come up to me and looked me in the eye and said, are you sure there's nothing else that can be done, that there's nothing that can be done to shorten this? I mean, all right. Cuomo, who frequently tries to downplay his control of the much-maligned subway system, told WNYC host Brian Lair he would call in international experts to review the shutdown plans and would tour the tunnel late Thursday night. Isn't it a little late to be doing this, Governor? Yes! I mean, really, this has been in the works for a very, very, very long time. It's not like they just suddenly decided to do this this week. But apparently, because people have been coming up to him in Brooklyn and saying, is there nothing else we can do? He's going to bring in international experts and tour the tunnel, because that's going to do a lot. Him looking at the tunnel, he's going to be like, yeah, looks good. But it was unclear what major changes could be made with construction scheduled to begin in a matter of weeks. Right. And it's been in the works for years. But anyway, that's breaking news. You're listening to The Next Best Thing on Radio Free Brooklyn. We're going to be right back. And when we are, we'll welcome in our guest, David Bradley Eisenberg, who always makes a December visit. And this year is no goddamn different. You're listening to The Next Best Thing on Radio Free Brooklyn. Radio Free Brooklyn is a 501c3 nonprofit organization whose mission is to provide a free and open platform to our community and promote media literacy, education, and free expression. We rely primarily on donations from listeners like you. So if you'd like to support our mission so we can continue to bring you quality community radio, we invite you to make a one-time donation or monthly pledge at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash donate. You can donate as little as a dollar and every cent helps helps us to continue to stay on the air. So please, please help support independent community media by pledging whatever you can afford. And remember, RFB is a 501c3 nonprofit, so your contribution is tax deductible to the fullest extent of the law. Again, that's RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash donate. All right. Did you know that Radio Free Brooklyn has a free iPhone and Android app? No. That's right. You no longer need to be chained to your computer to listen. Just download the Radio Free Brooklyn app from the App Store or Google Play so you can listen to independent community radio wherever you go. No. You can find the iPhone app by going to RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash iPhone. And the Android app is available at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash Android. So download the app today and listen to RFB wherever you are. Joining us now is comic and all-around good guy David Bradley Eisenberg. Your second cousin's birthday spectacular is coming up on Friday, December 14th at 7 p.m. That's at the Sidewalk Cafe, 94 Avenue A. Sidewalk Cafe on Avenue A, right? Uh, yeah, side, Sidewalk Cafe, Avenue A. I should write a jingle for them. Yeah, you should. And you can uh, find learn more about the show at facebook.com slash second cousins show. All one word, naturally, as all hyperlinks are. Yes. So tell us about the show. What I'm, so you do this show every... Uh, second Friday of the month, right? That's or right. We try and do a different theme uh, every month. We had a four-part, sh- like, basically like a series mm-hmm. where we had this, like, mini plot where we found out that we weren't second cousins. Is that true? And then it took us about four episodes for us and our lifelong fans and our <laughs> our, our monthly regular visitors to yeah. come around and realize the conclusion they of were the show. Like, they, oh. That we were... That, we are were, you second cousins? That we actually were second cousins. Oh, yes, okay, yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I thought you were pulling the rug over people. Um, is he? Where's he from? 
He's from Jersey. His name is James Harvey, by the way. James he's Harvey. Also a stand-up comic. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's from Jersey, okay. Because mm-hmm. you grew up in the Kansas City area. Correct. We both did. We've talked about that before. How do you guys... It's, it's once a month, right? Every second mm-hmm. Friday. And then do you spend the time in between just coming up with new material? More or less, yeah. I mean, we'll we'll get together maybe two weeks, you know, like two weeks before or even a week before or even the night before if we're really feeling lazy mm-hmm. and uh, just come up with what we're going to do that month. And we try and come up with, have a theme ready. Um, we try to do something to, you know, get get something good for the audience. And then we also have our regular material that we do solo as well. Okay. And what's your material typically consist of? Is it like new stuff, topical stuff? Um, I don't actually do very much topical stand-up. I mostly do like personal Okay. Stuff, just like personal bio, um, some observational stuff, but mostly it's personal bio stuff. And then James does musical comedy. So he does a lot of piano. Really? He, did, he used to do off-Broadway. So our co- we have our own little spheres, I guess. He doesn't really do very much proper stand-up. He mostly does uh, musical comedy. And then he brings on a lot of musical musical comedy guests yeah, right. and stuff like that. Like the Gregory Brothers? Mm. No, but you know who they are? No, I don't know who the Gregory they, Brothers they do like a, They did like auto-tune the news and stuff. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, that's cool. So is there any birthday material or no? Oh, yeah, we have a bit about, we're writing, uh, we, I, I do air quotes around the word we are writing a song. Um, <laughs> oh, he is writing? Uh, okay, yeah. Uh, uh, do you do lyrics and stuff? Or I, we, Yeah, no, I've collaborated on lyrics. We actually did a whole musical show one time, which is very funny because I, as you know, I never got casted in any of the musicals in high school. Well, I didn't know you sang. Do you sing? <laughs> no, oh. but I did apparently at this show. Oh, wow, that's, I did. Yeah, yeah, wait yeah. a minute, weren't you scared? Oh, yes. For yes. some reason, maybe I don't even know why, but for some reason I have a vision of you like not ever wanting to sing. I auditioned and I never got cast. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, well, so you did want to sing. They just wouldn't let me sing. Yeah, yeah well, they just wouldn't let me. Those assholes. I know. So, so this is your big break. This was my finally my big break at 28 years old. Wait, and you, this is going to be the first time you've ever sung in public? It was the first time oh, that okay. I sang in public. That was about two, three months ago. How'd it go? I thought it went well. I mean, I really only had like three or four line of lines of just me singing. The rest okay. of it, I was singing in ensemble. That's good. Um, it was good. No, I mean, <laughs> like that's good in terms of like easing your... Look, when I was in like elementary school, I loved music class and whatever. But like if my teacher had ever been like, okay, now now you sing by yourself, I would have flipped out. I mean, singing mm-hmm. in front of... Singing alone is scary. Yeah. It really is. It took me a while. I mean, like at first I did so bad. At, we had a rehearsal before the show and at first i was so bad james was like have you thought about just walking like just like talking through your lines wow and i was like no i can do this i'm gonna get better i'm gonna get better and by the end of rehearsal he's like you proved me wrong i can't believe he you said did. that i mean that's good that he was honest but, yeah. <laughs> but it was good for you for being like because that oh see i'm the type where if someone said that to me i would have been like uh okay i i, I <laughs> guess i just been like rejected enough and i didn't give sh- enough of a shit right uh, and it's a comedy bit yeah it's not like you're being singing an aria yeah, exactly. Do you know what an aria is? I know what an aria okay, is. Okay, I'm sure. It's yeah. an opera song, yeah, right, right. right? Okay. Yeah, and so, like, yeah, we had fun. It was a, it was a, re- it was fucking insane, man. Any singing did- in this show? Uh, yeah, we're sing- so we're singing a song, um, that's about um how if you have a December birthday, it's uh how people consolidate presents. Oh, between oh, your yeah. birthday and your when's the- your birthday again? September. So. Oh, September. So you don't right. have this issue. No. Unless people give you back to, back to school presents and <laughs> that birthday would be, presents, that'd be nice. <laughs> that I wouldn't would mind be nice. that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I've always actually thought about that. But uh-huh. you're you're Jewish though. We're Jewish. Yes. So did they consolidate Hanukkah gifts? Yeah, because Hanukkah right. falls on my birthday all the time. Right. Once every three years. In or fact, something it's like that. 
Last year, I remember it was really late Hanukkah. It happens. Because it actually like fell almost on Christmas, which remember, is rare. Yeah. 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 It's fallen on Christmas. Remember when it fell on Thanksgiving like six yeah. years ago? Yeah. That's nuts, man. November. <laughs> and then people, so it kind of made the singing of Hanukkah songs, all of them, all four of them, <laughs> or yeah. three of them, like weird out because it's like, eh, it's over. I have this bit that I'm working on about how I think that Hanukkah is like such an overrated holiday because like American Jews... It's not. It wasn't a thing until American Jews got jealous of their Christian right. friends, and we wanted to have a holiday too. Mm-hmm. So they're like, "Oh yeah, there's this obscure holiday that's from a book that's not even really in the Torah." Right. And so we invent. So like Hanukkah became a big deal, and I just don't really care that whether people if people want to say Merry Christmas to me, I don't give a shit. Right. I really don't care. Of course you don't, because it's trivial. It's so trivial. We're going to talk about this stuff. I'm glad you're bringing this up. Oh, okay, great. This isn't because a lot of what I want to talk about is political correctness uh, stuff. What? Okay, okay. No, like real stuff. Well, first of all, I always I do uh, what's going on in the news, what's going on in the world, but I waited to even start that until you got here. Um, oh. Well, because we can talk about all of it. Yeah, and I mean, sure. you're politically plugged in, so here we go. You're listening to The Next Best Thing. Here's what's making news tonight. Okay, so let's see. What is making news tonight? A whole lot. Well, first and foremost, I don't know if you heard about this. So today, the Supreme Court declined to hear. They didn't rule, but they declined to even listen to two cases basically against Planned Parenthood. Now, and the two, this was today, in the two justices who voted with the more liberal justices were Roberts and Kavanaugh. Hmm. Now, how do you feel about this? Does this mean, to me, people are like, oh, surprised, but is this just a way of, I feel like, because like I said, this was not a ruling on the cases. It was the declining to hear the cases. I feel like he was like, no, just keep those away from me. Hmm. Because of all that went into his, you know, him being against abortion was part of what people... I, I don't know what what were the do you know what the cases were about specifically yeah they were so it was basically ruling what it would have done was it was one was Kansas and the other was it was two states that would have given them a lot more broad powers in terms of basically Restricting taking abortion yeah and taking Planned Parenthood out of Medicaid programs oh that sort of stuff right and so they just declined what what did the lower courts before the Supreme Court rule because what matters about the Supreme Court denying cert is what the lower court said, and they just say, okay, we're just going to let the lower court's ruling stand as is. Right. Well, that's that's weird. That's why I was wondering about that as well. So the court let stand lower court rulings that states that states that states cannot ban Planned Parenthood from receiving Medicaid reimbursements when the group treats low-income patients. A number of states had sought to institute such bans in recent years. Mm-hmm. So that was the ruling. The ruling was that they couldn't do it. Oh, so then they ruled for Planned Parenthood. Pretty much. Well, oh. they well they ruled well, for Planned Parenthood being able to see. That's the thing. Medicaid funding. So I'm wondering why didn't they just take it up and and uh, rule that way? Well, I mean, from what I understand as to why the Supreme Court takes up cases is when there is a serious constitutional question, when there's conflict between and amongst federal circuit courts. Yeah. Or when there's like a federalism states versus national federal question that needs to be answered, that can only be answered by the Supreme Court. Clarence Thomas was outraged about this. Oh, he he wrote in his dissent, he was like, just because this is a political, you know, a contentious political issue doesn't mean 
that we need to back away from it. If anything, we should give a neutral implementation of the law, but it wouldn't be neutral. That's the horse shit that's... Uh, there's no neutrality. Like, yes, there is no neutrality. And like to pretend that there is, it's like, especially with Kavanaugh. That's the thing. I think this was smart of him because I don't think he would have voted this way. Kavanaugh, I uh, don't... Like? Like, <laughs> I thought you might not. <laughs> I mean, really, can you believe that? What an insane uh, couple months that was. That was really so, one of the most one of the most unnerving moments of political theater I've ever really witnessed. And it really, I mean, it really was political theater, mm-hmm. not in a like cynical way, but like mm-hmm. literally the presentation of the moment on C-SPAN while we were watching it was theatrical. It was very dramatic. Did very- you have? Did you hold out hope? Oh, yeah. Me too. And which is a huge fool's errand, apparently. I did. Because Susan Collins is full of horse shit. She's so full of shit. Yeah, I, she is. Oh, in terms of being, okay, what, what I mean is she she's is. full of horse shit when it comes to being a moderate. She might be a moderate about one or two things, but for the most part, she is on Team Trump. We can call it the GOP, mm-hmm. but it's Team Trump at this point. That's right. I mean, so when she goes through these motions of being like, well, you know, I'm very much, if he's not going to protect a woman's right to choose, then I'm out of here. Well, he has already said that he, like, he had written about overturning Roe v. Wade. Yeah. I mean, my biggest concern about Kavanaugh was definitely, like, the his, what he was writing about with executive privilege. And, mm-hmm. like, when he was working in the 90s, he worked for the guy who was, uh, who was the prosecutor against uh, Ken Clinton. Starr. Yeah, Ken Starr. Yeah. He worked for Ken Starr, and he was super, you know, anti-Clinton, you know, pre- executive privilege doesn't exist, there's no executive power, you know, uh, sorts sorts of things. But then once he, then in the early 2000s, he works for George Bush. All of a sudden, he has this revelation about executive power. Right. And all of a sudden, there needs to be a little bit more deference to the executive as soon as it's a, he works for a Republican. It basically, as soon as it benefits his own self-interest. And so then uh, he gets, uh, and so he writes this essay talking about that. And so, I mean, Trump, my, my biggest concern was just that Trump was basically appointing his own judge. Right. He was that, that eventually that- could be ruling on the Mueller on Mueller subpoenas probably will be. I mean, they, they probably will end up ruling on that. Yeah, because what? But the, Mueller's I mean, so yeah. smart. Mueller's very smart. But it's not like he doesn't hear all this. Doesn't see what's happening. Yeah. So he can see it and he can do whatever he has to do to combat it, like with the Southern District of New York stuff. Yeah, which is good. Um, Absolutely. But, I mean, he's he's working at like a RICO case, like a mafia case, it, which he has done. Which he's done. Yeah. So that's is exactly. Giuliani, though. See, like, what the fuck's happened to these people? Giuliani's just... Yeah, Giuliani's worked a, a, mafia, a RICO case, and therefore he can be a good lawyer for, for the mafia. I guess. See, like, <laughs> you know? That's what's so upsetting. Is like, I never agreed with Giuliani on much politically, but I respected him as a prosecutor. Like, he had done good work. And, you know, like, the, he's just, he's gone totally insane. He's gone off the deep end. Remember when Giuliani just, like, shipped a bunch of homeless people to California, and he was like, I cleaned up America. I'm America's mayor. I made New York a better place. And basically, he just, like... (laughs) Well, yeah, and when he turned Times Square into a living theme park, I mean, like, he... Oh, my God. (laughs) Like... I used to work in Times Square, and I would walk past... um, I would walk past Minnie Mouse with her head off, smoking a cigarette right. all the time, oh. and like <laughs> well, those things reek too. Yeah, and like Batman, and like Batman texting his girlfriend and stuff like that. Like, Who's in jail? Like, oh, yeah, something like that. I don't know. All right, let's see what else is in the news. <laughs> uh, oh, Kevin Hart out as host of the Academy Awards. So, just forty-eight hours after agreeing to host the ninety-first Academy Awards, Kevin Hart unceremoniously stepped down late last Thursday night via social media. The turn of events followed outcry over previous anti-gay tweets. 
that he made between 2009-2011. Some of the tweets were feverishly deleted throughout that day. Eventually, the Academy basically told him point-blank, look, apologize or we'll find another host. Quote, I chose to pass on the apology, said Hart. In a video he made, the reason why I passed is because I've addressed this several times. This is not the first time it's come up. I've addressed it. I've spoken on it. I've said where the rights and wrongs were. I've said who I am now versus who I was then. I've done it. I'm not going to continue to go back and tap into the days of old when I've moved on and I'm in a completely different place in my life, end quote. That's all fine and good. But a few hours later, (laughs) in the tweet where he announced he was not going to host, he apologized. Oh. So it was weird to me that he was like, I mean, I, I could see him being kind of um, indignant about like feeling like he had to apologize. However, like I, I had I heard all that before I read the tweets. Here's one of the tweets. Quote, yo, if my son comes home and tries to play with my daughter's dollhouse, I'm going to break it over his head and say in my voice, stop, that's gay. Where's the joke in that? <laughs> that's not a joke. Is that a joke? He's maybe satirizing the the conservative <laughs> homophobic father. Do you think? I think that yeah, it's it's a yeah, it's a deep I don't play. know. It's a deep irony. Yeah. I don't know. So with this, what do you think? Do you think this is right? I mean, do you think like uh, the tweets from uh eight, nine years ago? Uh, so he had set he had tweeted them and then deleted them and then he apologized for them in the moment. He had t- the, he d- tweeted the, them in two thousand nine between two thousand nine and two thousand eleven. Then when they were brought up almost immediately when he was announced as host, yeah, he addressed them and he was like, look, you know, like I've addressed these already. It's not, it was kind of, you know, a defiant address. And that's when the Academy was like, just apologize. And he wouldn't yeah. do it. Oh, I mean, I don't know. That's stupid of him. It was stupid. Of him. <laughs> don't you think? That's super stupid of it. Look, man, like he's the, one of the most successful comedians on earth. He's a multimillionaire. Everyone. I have so few followers on Twitter and I am incredibly careful about what what well, things has to be a tweet. now? Uh, yeah, because it's literally open to the public and anyone can see it and save it forever. It doesn't go away. People don't realize how impermanent. I mean, how permanent. But would you? Your social media posts are they they last forever. Why would you even? I don't know. I don't understand why people invest very much in making Twitter jokes. Period. Because you're just but, giving more money to Jack. Uh, from twi- no, Jack from Twitter. But this, like you- the tweet that I read. Yeah. I mean, like that would. I mean, I'm sure that I could go through tweets I mean, of my... It's so... It's blatantly homophobic. It's insane. I would break... Yeah, if he wanted to play with a doll, I'd break it over his head and I'd say in my voice, which I don't get that. I would say in my voice, stop, that's gay. <laughs> There's no joke there. Like, and so that's what I mean. So when I think, like, I could rifle through my tweets and probably find something that, like... I'm, I've done that even. And, like, when Facebook says, like, on this day, you wrote this status, and I'll read some of them. Yeah. And I think... One recently popped up where it was like I had said I'd had this one piano student who would every other phrase he would say he'd go that was funny right that was funny right <laughs> he was like six yeah and it, once I I said to him in what like a very it? kind gentle way well did anyone laugh <laughs> <laughs> uh, but when I read that again it was like oh my god it made me sound very mean to yeah. this little kid <laughs> you know what I mean <laughs> but. I could explain that. It's nothing like this. I don't know if I could find tweets of mine like well, this. Did you call him gay afterwards? No. But that's, <laughs> that's my point. Like, there's stuff that you can explain and that's, you know, lost in context or, or out of context. Yeah. But with stuff like this, like, I feel like, huh. I mean, he obviously did feel this way. I mean, it's not so. He obviously felt that way. <laughs> he obviously felt that way. I mean, 
I, I don't know, man. It's like, I don't really have that much sympathy for people, for these people because they're so wealthy and successful. And if they didn't get one opportunity and they're going to be all indignant about political correctness culture, it's like, have some perspective about your career, man. But like, this is different. See, that's the thing. I don't think this is political correctness run amok. And I think there are instances where it does. Yeah. This isn't really one of them. This yeah. is a very obvious. Yes. Yeah, like. Yeah. This okay. is weird. I mean, it just, <laughs> subject over. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, but okay, guns. So I read today that, and this is something that's a little weird. We've talked a little bit about guns before, but I noticed this today and it's kind of a weird juxtaposition. So according to multiple reports, the NRA and the gun industry overall are showing real signs of decline and struggle, Mm. which is good. They're going through what they have now called the Trump slump, which includes gun stores reporting difficulty moving merchandise and one major manufacturer remington filing for bankruptcy and it's a direct result of the way guns are increasingly marketed as a way to show off one's right-wing credentials true uh there was a spike in gun sales in november of 2012 right after barack obama was reelected, apparently because conservatives felt angry and disempowered and so they loaded up on guns to make themselves feel better that's exactly what happened yeah. by the same token gun sales seem to decline when conservatives are feeling less insecure and therefore less likely to spend money on guns to soothe that insecurity yeah it's so gross and scary to me that that's true the fact that it's like a democrat's in office let's get our fucking guns black black and it's just exactly what happened yeah right so so that's true and gun sales were down 8.4 percent last year and signs suggest it'll be worse this year black friday sales were are usually huge for gun sellers because there are lots of thanksgiving themed promotions and guns are a great gift item in red state america Ugh. This year, though, there was a 10% decline in gun sales over last year's Black Friday. Great. So all that's well and good. However, 2018 was by far the worst year on record for gun violence in schools. According to data from the U.S. Naval Postgraduate School, there were 94 school gun violence incidents this year, which is yeah. a record high since 1970, which is as far back as the data goes, and 59% higher than the previous record of 59 in 2006. Good. God! What? I mean, that's a huge, staggering increase. Uh, now, this counts, though, okay, in that number, they're counting, quote, each and every instance a gun is brandished, fired, or a bullet hits school property for any reason, regardless of the number of victims, time of day, or day of week. Fine. Separately, they also track deaths related to school shootings, and by this metric, good news, 2018 was also the worst year on record. So far, 55 people, including the shooters, were killed. So, yeah, the gun industry, they might not be selling as many guns, but we're still having 39,000 gun deaths a year. That is up there with car crash deaths. Wow. When, when, did, when was Parkland? Is that like... This year. That was this, this year? Doesn't that seem like 80 million Man, years ago? Man, what it, it does. It seems like 80 million years ago. So much happened this year. And nothing came of it. We went to the, I went to Washington to do the March for Our Lives. It was, yeah. it was powerful. It was important. That's great. They have voted on nothing. We've passed the only gun thing that we've passed is loosening. I heard that Trump wanted to ban bump stocks. Trump went on television and said, like, we should do something after Parkland. And he is on record as saying to some Republicans, like, yeah, you don't want to do it because you're scared of the NRA. <laughs> and then the next day he was like, never mind. He obviously yeah. got someone got to him. He, didn't he say something? Didn't that happen like uh... after Parkland? No, but the, it happened after that. I thought I saw something about it after the, the midterms that he said he wanted to do something on bump stocks. I mean, but, bump stocks. Isn't it just... I mean, look, man. Like, I know, we gotta start we, somewhere. I mean, look, yeah. 
We need to abolish the Second Amendment, frankly. I mean, this is like a not a. I fucking hate guns. <laughs> yeah. I really do. Yeah, so much. They're really, really very awful. I mean, it, it's a it's a ridiculous thing that we should leave it up to the states. Certain states should just more urban states, frankly, should just have statewide bans on guns. And if you live in a rural state and hunting is important to you, and you live in a rural area, and literally you need to have a gun because. It, you know, if somebody shows up at your house, there is no one to protect you. I understand a little bit more of that. Okay. I understand yeah. that a little Me bit too. more because cops are literally an yeah. hour away. Me too. But we grew up in Kansas. I had friends, good friends of mine. I don't even know if you'd know, but like they went to Shawnee Mission East, the, the high school we went to, who loved to hunt, hunted all the time. Yeah. The guns they used to hunt. Yeah. Could not be used to carry out a mass shooting like this. Couldn't. Because yeah. you shoot once. Then yeah. you have to kind of cock again. Yeah. Those cocks again. <laughs> I find the most, one of the cruelest, not cruelest, but just like sickening things about gun culture is people who take assault rifles hunting. And like, it's just like, what sort of a piece of shit do you really have to be to put a fucking like Uzi on a deer? Like, you got, like, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, like, if you're hunting deer, it's usually for the meat or that's it, or just for the love of killing shit. Yeah, but like yeah, an yeah, AR-15 yeah. is gonna blow that thing to smithereens. You're not gonna be able to eat much. It's gonna be a little over here and a little over there, and like <laughs> it's like that's my point. These are weapons for war. Yeah, and who's got war with goddamn deer? Well, I mean, drivers. yeah, I mean, it's not necessarily even just gun manufacturers. I mean, this is a whole like indictment of our military-industrial complex. We've basically had an entire economy that's been run on the military-industrial complex since World War II, and we haven't transitioned away from it. That's why we need a Green New Deal. But like they're like the the fact that this isn't going to get any better just from incrementalist changes. And but we haven't had any increment. We've done nothing. Yeah. Well, that's what just kills me is that this is a problem. Climate change is something that's going to take a lot and years of tiny little things that we can do here and there to kind of combat a little bit. This this is like. I mean, it's kind of like if your light bulb is burnt out. Oh, fuck. What do we do now? There's no light. You get a new light bulb, you screw it in, and you'll have lights. This, to me, seems like a problem that we could at least start to fix right away, and we've done nothing to fix it, and we only make it worse by literally making it worse, by being like, eh, now mentally handicapped people, or mentally, like... Legally blind people. And mentally, people who have been deemed, like, mentally, criminally... And mentally domestic, yeah. insufficient canal of guns to yeah. protect themselves from the people. And domestic abusers. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's horrifying. Yeah. yeah. All right. We don't need to stick on this. Everyone knows how I feel about that. <laughs> Moving right along. <laughs> so the Redskins name controversy. Are you oh, familiar with this? I am. This is a topic that's come up time and again since the 70s, but it really didn't get that much widespread public attention until probably the early 90s. So Native Americans... Demanding change include tribal nations, na national tribal organizations, civil rights organizations, and individuals. The largest of these organizations, the National Congress of American Indians, counted the enrollment of its member tribes as totaling 1.2 million. What they want is simple. They want the NFL team in Washington, D.C. to change the name from Redskin. And it would be so easy. To me, this is such an easy... Yeah. There's really no wiggle room or much room for interpretation. Redskin... The word redskin yeah. is a pejorative. I mean, it's a word that was basically invented to demean and insult a group of people, much like the N-word for black people or 
faggot for gay people. Mm-hmm. I mean, can you imagine if they a new there was a new <laughs> team called the San Francisco Faggots? No, it I would think some never people, happen. Some people would love that. I wouldn't. <laughs> and it, it would never happen. No, it wouldn't. No, and like wouldn't. It, it, this is such a this could. The name could and should have been changed years ago. All they have to do is change it to the Warriors. Yeah, they could keep they could keep their colors. They could just alter the logo so it's not a red person. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> uh, it's easy now. Here's where people tend to lose me. Uh-huh. This is the key thing. When you start comparing the name Redskins to ones like Chiefs, uh-huh. Braves, Blackhawks, etc. Now, for the longest time, I would only ever hear. People make these comparisons when it was Redskins fans mm-hmm. who were trying to defend their team name. So they're basically like, oh, you want us to change our name? Okay, well, I guess the Chiefs have to change theirs too. And and the Braves and Indians and the Seahawks. And the and in recent years, though, I mean, that was always written off as a silly comparison. But in recent years, there's been a small fraction of social justice warriors who have joined in on that fight. Now, here's here's my standing on this. There's no comparison in the sense that names like Braves, Chiefs, Warriors, and the like are meant to honor rather than demean. With the Native American tribes, Braves and Warriors were fighters, uh, yeah, like yeah, yeah. defenders of the community. Chiefs were leaders, like yeah. Chief. Yeah. I don't see how they're any different than names like Vikings, Patriots, Cowboys. Redskin? Yeah. Not, that doesn't honor anybody. Yeah. Now, where we do get in a little trouble is when, you know, like the face paint and the headdress and stuff Tomah- at game. And the tomahawk right. shop. And that stuff that, uh, yeah, I mean, we can talk about and probably, you know, should be limited. But in terms of just the name alone, I don't think there's any comparison. I mean, imagine if it was like the Kansas City Kikes and, <laughs> and like people were like davening whenever the Chiefs right. were about to score a touchdown. Uh, you know? Well, yeah, <laughs> you really. know? I mean, yeah. Or the, you know, like, I, I mean, Silicon Valley I don't want to say. I don't yeah. even want to say. Yeah, you don't have to. How you, that? You, 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 you set yourself up for it, <laughs> and you do not have to take that swing. Well, yeah. because, because this will be on record, and someone will take it out of context later when I'm running for office. No, I'm just kidding. But do you agree? <laughs> so I'm glad, because like, I have friends who, like, they hear Chief, the uh-huh. Kansas City Chiefs, and they're like, they put it in the same category. I'm like, oh, come on. Like, you can't just blanket that. Do you know what I mean? Okay, so. Yes. Two, I have two things about this. One, they're both kind of long things. Don't go for it. One of them is um, the all all of this would be is is secondary to the horrible treatment of Native American populations in our country. That's by far the much more important issue than the virtue signaling of professional football teams. Okay, so that, like that's I think is I mean the the Standing Rock is uh, what happened at Standing Rock is so much more of a tragedy than any football team that would ever exist, in my opinion. (laughs) Well, and 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 okay. second off for also our home district, Sharice Davids just won Mm -hmm. uh, one of two Native American women just elected to Congress. First Native American women elected to Congress ever, ever. 2018 was the first year that Native American women have ever been elected to Congress and she's not just Native American, she's a lesbian, a former MMA, MMA fighter. fighter. Really? And I mean, a lawyer. Like, and a civil rights And she attorney. ousted a white male Republican. Yep. And, and that's important. In our home district, yeah. dude. So anyways. Yeah. Anyways, that, that on Native American issues, that stuff. Second off, I went to this exhibit in mm-hmm. D.C. Next time you're in D.C., mm-hmm. you should absolutely check out the Smithsonian, the Smithsonian's uh, Museum of the American Indian. Mm-hmm. Great exhibit called Americans. And it's the level of detail, the amounts of shit that we have in american pop culture especially in like from 1950s on mm-hmm. of native american insignia and stuff you know how many you know um 
uh, mascots, mascots, but just like even like uh, companies that are called like like a you know Squanto Beans or mm-hmm. like. Chickasaw, you know, Chickasaw Oil Company, and like all these things. I mean, just like you, it just goes, you know, uh, for for you know, forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And the amount of it was just so overwhelming, and it was kind of just like there's something else going on here that is like, at a certain point, it's not even about Native Americans well, anymore. No. Right. It, 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 it's and, and and that's very problematic, and that's a really kind of like fucked up thing about it. But that was kind of this realization I had about it. It's like, this is Americans expressing themselves in a way that is unfortunately not even about them. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the weirdest thing right. is that while in having them part of American culture, they are at the same time excluded because it's not, it's their stuff, but we're not letting them play with it. Right. Well, and we're not letting them have agency over it. Which is to me makes it even more like this red skin thing is so obvious and literally the least we could possibly do yes truly yeah and it's like the most painfully obvious to me i can't believe that it's not been changed i really can't i mean it's like a dan snyder is that the guy's yes yeah yeah. and he's like i will never change the name ever yeah it's like are you what is are you three years old Mm -hmm. like what's wrong with you what's wrong with all of you how what's wrong with you people you could keep the fucking... I mean, like, you wouldn't have to change much if you change it to Warrior because it's still... I mean, like, it's generic. Redskin, there's like... Oh, God. I can't even believe it. I mean, what if Tennessee got a team and call it the Tennessee N-Words? It would be just the very thought would be so outrageous. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. it would never happen. I don't understand how this is different because that is Whoa, the Whoa, is it ERS or AS in this hypothetical? <laughs> just, just quite ERS. Enough. In Tennessee, it's ERS. <laughs> But like that, really, like because it's the it's the Native American equivalent. Yeah, I mean the word. Yeah, 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 absolutely. It, it's a it's, All right. a it's a debacle. So it needs to be changed. Yeah, change it. Moving right along. So I read this recently. It says the headline was "Franken Scandal Haunts Gillibrand's 2020 Chances." Now you and I talked about this a little bit last year. Last year, right? And uh, this being the Al Franken accusations and Al Franken having to resign from the Senate. It's, uh, I'm kind of interested to see how we what, feel what, now. What was this article published on? When? Or what? what? Politico. Was it? Politico. Politico. Yeah. Oh, so it sounds like a political article. Well, and there, was a few, there were a few other uh, sources. So what it said in the article was that a number of people, a number of the senators who signed on with Kirsten Gillibrand to say that Franken should resign were kind of unsure about it at the time and have since come out to say they regret doing so. More than any elected official, though, apparently it really bothered a number of, of big-time Democratic donors. One of them, quote, let me tell you how strongly I feel about it. I didn't even vote for her in the recent election. I left it blank, said one top donor to Politico. Many of the donors have said that they saw the whole matter as completely self-serving and kind of a, you know, astute political move, Mm -hmm. which we kind of talked about a little bit last year. Quote, it stained Gillibrand's reputation as a fair player, said Susie Tompkins Buell, a prominent Democratic fundraiser and co-founder of eSpirit and the North Face clothing brands. The matter remains fresh in her mind and among those in her circles. Now, before we talk about it, yeah. I want to play a portion of his resignation speech. Because one thing that a lot of people who I would talk about it with would always say is that, well, you know, the fact that he resigned means there had to have been something to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, so here's this. We're going to listen to part of it, and we'll talk about it sure. on the other side. Senator Al Franken now addressing his colleagues. The moment was long overdue. 
I was excited for that conversation and hopeful that it would result in real change that made life better for women all across the country and in every part of our society. Then the conversation turned to me. Over the last few weeks, a number of women have come forward to talk about how they felt my actions had affected them. I was, I was shocked. I was upset. But in responding to their claims, I also wanted to be respectful of that broader conversation. Because all women deserve to be heard and their experiences taken seriously. I think that was the right thing to do. I also think it gave some people the false impression that I was admitting to doing things that, in fact, I haven't done. Some of the allegations against me are simply not true. Others I remember very differently. I said at the outset that the Ethics Committee was the right venue for these allegations to be heard and investigated and evaluated on their merits. That I was prepared to cooperate fully and that I was confident in the outcome. You know, an important part of the conversation we've been having the last few months has been about how men abuse their power and privilege to hurt women. I am proud that during my time in the Senate, I have used my power to be a champion of women. Serving in the United States Senate has been the great honor of my life. I know in my heart that nothing I have done as a senator, nothing, has brought this honor on, on this institution. And I am confident that the Ethics Committee would agree. Nevertheless, in the coming weeks, I will be resigning as a member of the United States Senate. So in there, I just think, okay, my biggest thing, and this was always my biggest thing. Yeah. I didn't like the fact that he was calling for the investigation, open to the investigation, begging for an investigation. And this whole thing, you know, where they teamed up against him happened without an investigation. Yeah. That, why? Like, why, why, why? Why not do the investigation? That's the whole point of the ethics committee. No one forced him to resign. Well, you don't think, but like when your colleagues like band together and so, and she speaks out like that, you know, and. If I, he truly thought that he was innocent and had nothing to hide, he should have ridden the wave. If he really thought that it was, that he was a, you know, an accessory and accept it like, you know, an, uh, collateral damage to what was otherwise a righteous movements, then he should have ridden out the, ridden out the storm and, Gone through the ethics committee. See, but that's what he wanted to do. But then when all these people banded up, I mean, I agree, but it's like, I think it was kind of feeling the pressure of the moment. Yeah. I mean, like, cause in that speech, I hear him basically, first of all, I hear he's not, he's not admitting to it. Yeah. I mean, like he's apologizing, but he's and he's, he basically says, this has been the honor of my life. Yeah. I would be cleared by the ethics investigation. Yeah. I feel like I've been a champion of women. And I'm resigning. Like, so to me, it's like, what else was, what else would have gotten him to resign other than the pressure of the moment? Um, 
It was interesting because I did an see ethics investigation that comes across that proves him. Oh sure. Oh, a liar. Hey, if that a, happened, then he should resign. I mean, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I would have liked to have been able to see that. We, she, um, Kirsten Gillibrand was on the View a while ago, and she was confronted with this. And listen to her explanation, and like, because I want to, I want to understand. I mean, like, I do. I want mm-hmm. to understand it. But here's what she said, and we'll talk about it on the other side. It's because I've got a little bit of a bone to pick with you. So um, she does. Because <laughs> I know that you led the charge to um, to get Al Franken to resign from the Senate. Um, I just thought that was unfair to make him an example when the president of the United States has so many allegations of sexual harassment against him, and I don't see him going anywhere. Well, and, and, and when and when you when you listen to some of these Republican pundits talk about it, it's like, well, uh, it's just an allegation. I believe it was even Jerry Falwell Jr. who was saying, well, with Trump, it's an allegation. He says he didn't do it, so he's forgiven. Let's talk about Trump first. He has multiple allegations, dozens of yes. allegations, over a dozen allegations of <laughs> right. sexual assault and sexual harassment. Mm-hmm. He should resign because of that. I've not heard that from any Republicans. We should be having a very different conversation about President Trump, and we should be holding him accountable, and we should be having hearings and giving a space and voice for these women who so bravely have come forward. But why did you push Tr- uh, Franken out? So for me, uh, Al Franken is a friend of mine. Uh, he did great work in the Judiciary Committee, so it was really hard and really heartbreaking. But how about a hearing? This first? is not. He's entitled to a hearing. That he is, but he's not entitled to my silence, Joy. And no, when you have not. eight, when you have eight allegations, eight credible allegations, multiple women. I have a 14-year-old son. I have a nine-year-old son. How am I supposed to tell him it's okay to grab a woman here? It's okay to grab a woman here, but it's not okay to grab a woman here. Absolutely not. I'm not going to have that conversation. That is the wrong conversation to be having. Conversation. Obviously, what was alleged against Al Franken is very different than what's alleged about Steve Wynn than what's alleged about President Trump. Right. Very different. Different gradations. You're giving it an unequal equivalency. No, you're not. Because it's not okay, Joy. It is not okay to grab women without their consent. It's not okay. So... So why would you want to hold our elected leaders to the lowest standard and not the highest standard? We should be holding all our elected leaders to the higher standard. And I can't be a good mother and I can't be a good senator if I am silenced just because it's my friend. Okay, so with that, I don't like the comparison with the Trump thing because I don't think that we can't compare ourselves to the GOP, sadly, because they are so morally deficient. I mean, I think at this point, I'm serious. (laughs) Like, yeah, but with um, with the other stuff in terms of like, He's entitled to a hearing, but he's not entitled to my silence. Fine. I agree with that. But it wasn't her voicing her opinion. It was her grounding up these people that apparently were not exactly sure they wanted to be on this bandwagon. And when it was a bunch of senators coming against you, Mm -hmm. that's where I feel like I'd be like, well, I, I mean, I could see why he'd be like, I guess, you know, if he had no support from his own caucus. You know what I mean? Yeah. Then it'd be hard to be effective. But he was effective. That's my other thing. Yeah. She says like how, and I think that honestly with Trump and where we are right now, like his astuteness and humor would have been a powerful weapon. Now, here's my only thing. Now, this is none of this is to say so big deal if he, you know, grabbed women. In my, from what I can remember, like the allegations were that photo, Mm -hmm. that, that, that unfortunate photo. But then it was all a bunch of stuff about, you know, like being a a picture where his, you know, like he put his arm around someone and it was too low or something, which is 
you know, something that could happen to any celebrity or public official who's ever stopped to take photos with fans or whoever. Yeah. And I believe there was one accusation of him trying to forcibly kiss a woman, which he denied, and which to me, now that's exactly why there should be an investigation. Because that sounds very, that sounds unlike the other allegations, number one, Mm -hmm. and unlike anything I'd ever, you know, like heard of from him before. So that's not to say it didn't happen, but that's why an investigation would have been helpful. Yeah. So I just don't like this ousting of people, which, you know, at that point, what what was the Senate? It was like 49. 51. Yeah. And I just, you know, the idea of throwing someone out because of how, you know, how can I be a good mother? Roy Moore, people, someone voting for Roy Moore needs to ask that question. That was right. That was two weeks before right. the right. special election. So I would, I think I said this last year. Uh, it, it was very much contextualized in supporting Doug Jones. Probably was Gillibrand's reaction. And it was partially, uh, it was a political move by her. But that's not to say that she didn't do the right thing. She didn't stand up for, she didn't, I, I completely agree with what she said. With I come with, with I, I I agree with what she said about he's entitled to a hearing but he's not entitled to my silence and but, I and I think that that is that perfectly summarizes what she did what the correct political move was and you know Roy Moore had had plenty of investigations he wasn't allowed in malls because of his predatory right I mean, nature that's why, I mean that's like why I feel like there's no reason to compare those I mean like I you know what I mean like no 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 they are they are absolutely completely different scales right. <laughs> yeah. scales of sexual violence absolutely but the reason so i sent right before tonight i sent you three photos of from my past oh yeah that i just happened to find on facebook it's a good thing this is a radio show right i know well we can post them to the show page <laughs> but basically the because like the photo of al franken is unfortunate however i could you know like the three that i sent you of me and these are just ones that i happen to find you know searching through my yeah. literally on facebook anyone who i'm friends with on facebook can find these photos and there's probably more and there might be worse yeah but those photos could get me in big trouble but these are your friends though right they are they are so was there consent in the photos well, yeah and you can tell i mean i in most of them you can i think you can tell i can tell there's plus cons- she would say so like that's the thing all but, three of the women would yes, say so yes oh well yes unless of course you know in five years they have reason to hate me <laughs> like who knows they could you know but like with the woman who made who was in that photo she actually which i appreciated like originally her her story was pretty uh harsh but she actually came out after the fact and was like i'm not saying you should resign over this I, like i just wanted it i don't know why she came forward at all then but but she, you know, was saying like, look, this is just a shitty photo. And like, because it was going through the Me Too stuff and mm-hmm. being like, well, you know, like, how can you be all self-righteous about empowering mm-hmm. women when you... So, but it was a shitty photo. And I, I just think they're... I think that's what it should be looked at as. A stupid, shitty photo. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. He wasn't actually touching her. Like, I'm actually touching girls in the, <laughs> these photos. <laughs> yeah, you I are. Mean, friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Consent. Again, they were all conscious. They were all conscious. It and, was all consensual. Yes. And it was all like actively playful. But unless I was here to say that, who knows? You could make it up and people could make it up. You know, like. Uh-huh. So with hers, she was asleep. So she wasn't conscious. Yeah. And she was in a professional environment yeah. and they weren't friends. Well, well, I mean, they'd been doing that tour together. Everything did. But yeah, yeah I yeah. mean, like, look, it was a shitty photo. And he said he said it was a shitty photo. Yeah. But I just think that, you know. Jesus. I mean, that, so you want to talk about getting caught red handed. I mean, that was, that, that photo <laughs> was, that, I bet there were like 15 Republican operatives who were sort of drooling as soon right. as they saw that photo. Well, here's the thing yeah. though. At the time of that photo, he was a comedian and radio host. Yeah. 
he wasn't he wasn't even running for anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's why, and it kind of comes back to the Kevin Hart thing. That's to me the difference between a very you know explicit like statement about something specific, yeah, and a stupid photo thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I don't know. I mean, like, so so explain to me why, like, how. Because I'm really trying really hard to not make this like a, I really like him, so therefore I'm going to erase anything badly. You know what I mean? I mean, really. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We all have to be careful about that stuff. Right, right. Yeah. But you were talking about how you could see how this was a political move. It seems to be, if that was true, if this was purely political, it seems to be blowing up in her face. I mean, these donors, this one person that was so much angrier than I am. So so, the, so, because some donors are upset, you think well, no. it's having pl- negative oh, political repercussions? Maybe. I don't know. Like... That's such. Who gives a shit that like three donors who donate like three million dollar checks to the DNC fund, like the DN, the Democratic National Senatorial Campaign Caucus or whatever, is like is upset about something that happened last year and didn't vote for Kirsten Gillibrand, the most safe progressive Democrat of the most safe progressive Democratic state. And that's just one vote. He probably gave money to the slush fund that gave money to Gillibrand, who needed very little of it. I mean, it's. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't the franking accusations came in the weeks after a parade of powerful men were toppled by the Me Too movement, among them Harvey Weinstein, Matt Lauer, Louis C.K., and Garrison Keillor. Now, the wounds over Franken's, Franken's ouster were reopened, some Democrats say, during confirmation hearings for Brett Kavanaugh, who faced sexual misconduct allegations, but was still seated on the Supreme Court. I mean, can you imagine if, if Al Franken had been given a pass and he were on the Judiciary Committee while Kavanaugh was being confirmed? Can you imagine how hollow... The Democrats and Christine Blas- Dr. Ford would come forward with all these Democrats opposing Kavanaugh. I mean, how See, how how hollow would that ring? Not if he had been given an investigation and cleared. I know they would have. So then, so then, so then, maybe if they had given it, if Al Franken had been a, had getting a little bit more of a backbone and defended himself against his colleagues and said, "I firmly think I'm right," had the invest- ethics investigation was firmly cleared through the ethics investigation that he had not committed this, then he's on the Judiciary Committee next year. All of a sudden, when Dick Durbin is saying, we need to have an ethics investigation about you, Kavanaugh, then all of a sudden that would that process would be much more legitimized. You're losing me. I don't know what you're saying. Are you asking? I don't know. What, what, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm partially asking and partially just... Well, I think that... I mean, part of me thinks that he should have. He should have been like, I'm not leaving. I mean, really. I do think, like, I... Because, I mean, I believe him i mean there was a time when we lived by the notion that people were innocent until proven guilty and if he is guilty then it needs to be proven by an investigation and you know frankly if i were about to be put on about to be put on trial and i was told before the trial started by the way the jury they've all talked and they're they're going to find you guilty then, I don't know, why go through the motions of having a trial? You know, when when you have no support, like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, the pressure of being like, well, then why, What? what's the point of staying? Like, to feel like you've been turned on and, you know, you can't even be effective. Because you're, a, because you're here to serve the, and that's because you're here to serve the Minnesota, state of Minnesota. Right. Not- and that's what I, that's what I was hoping to God he would say. That it's not, you know, like, I wasn't elected by my fellow senators. If they want to hate right. me, fine. That's right. So you think, yeah, so he should have done that. If he firmly believed in his convictions and he wanted to go through the invest- ethics investigation, then that's his prerogative. But he clearly well, didn't what... believe him, himself enough and he 
because he maybe did it. Well, that's and so he thought that he would have. I mean, we don't know because the ethics investigation didn't happen, and he didn't trust himself enough to succeed. So he so, resigned. But I think that's where with you. I think that's where that's a little, that's where I see. Right. It at least. I think that's the only thing that we really differ on is that you feel like he resigned because he knew there was truth to it and that it would have been exposed or something. I feel it was more like it was like his whole support, like all of his support system had turned on him. So it's like why even go through this investigation if they're nope. calling for my resignation without the investigation? Yeah. Then, then what's the? Because that's kind of the thing. Like. Both of those things are kind of true at the same time. If they have been cleared, I wonder, like, would she st- would she have backed off? I don't know. Do you think that? Do you think she should have? Uh, if she, if he had that been- photo was pretty pretty. I mean, like, okay, so let's say the ethics investigation came up and it turned out that the initial woman who toured with Al Franken, I forget her name, yeah, uh, had uh, turns out she had lied about that entire thing. That that entire that that photo was photoshopped. That that well, no. That that didn't... he admitted that the photo was real. Okay, so yeah. he admitted that it happened, and uh, that's already admitting his guilt. So to then, the photo. See that's see that's the thing. The photo is, I don't think is. In, I think it's a bad photo, and I think he. I don't know. I mean, I he don't, admitted he was. He admitted he did it, but he wasn't touching her in the photo. I think it was a bad, unfortunate photo. <laughs> but I think that we all have some bad, unfortunate photos. Not like a, not like Kevin Hart's tweet, which is an incriminating tweet <laughs> yeah. in a sense. You know what I mean? Like if he was actually like touching her, then that could be called assault. You know, like assault. He was just taking a stupid photo because she was asleep, and he was like, like you know, like motioning these boob grabby, but it wasn't actually boob grabby. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like I get it. I know it was a terrible photo and stuff, but you know, like, but my the reason I sent you those photos because like. I I don't I it would be hard for me to imagine being accused of sexual assault in my life. I really mm. like but those photos if you took them completely out of context. Yeah. You know, they could be you know plastered on and be like look at this. Yeah. You know, and like yeah, misrepresenting me or whatever. And I yeah, I don't know. I just so that's my whole point. That's the reason is that like I feel like you know, there are unfortunate photos out there especially if you we're born in an age where we like we were yeah where social media became a thing when we were in high school for god's sake yeah. so all of our dumbest moments are usually <laughs> captured and posted by us yeah <laughs> you know what i mean like truly uh so that's a dangerous thing that is a dangerous thing let's talk about that a little bit do you think when you know when we're in our 40s 50s 60s presidential candidates how is anyone gonna i mean like like you're you better start deleting photos now <laughs> if you want to <laughs> run in 30 years yeah, don't you think? Do you have any photos on any social media from year from even back in high school? Like that, I untagged myself from a lot of photos. <laughs> Thinking ahead, but oh, I mean, just because I was, I mean, I was like tired of looking at them. I'd like yeah. look through my old photos and be like, I don't. I have like three photos from high school on my Facebook page, really? but that doesn't mean that they're not floating out in the in the right. universe somewhere. You know, right, I mean, like right. someone took those photos and still has them on some album from 2005 right. yeah. somewhere, but they're not on my Facebook. I mean, pfft, yeah, sure. People will look at that and be like, you're an idiot. And I'd be like, I was. <laughs> I mean, really, I was, and we all were. I mean, I don't know if there's anything that would be, that's like boob grabby. <laughs> really? But Nothing? there's definitely photos of me being 14 years old in like Mary <laughs> basement drinking tequila. Right. Or something like that. Which or is like, a crime. You're which a, is a crime. <laughs> you're, a, you're a criminal and it's caught on tape. Caught. Yeah. Yeah. See, see, this is where I don't know. Well, that's an issue more about social media. I so, mean, but okay, so okay, if you are just joining us, 
This is the next was thing on Radio Free Brooklyn. My guest is David Bradley Eisenberg, host of the Second Cousin Show, which is every second Friday at the Sidewalk Cafe on Avenue A, 94 Avenue A. David and his actual second cousin, James Harvey of New Jersey, host it. <laughs> and uh, this upcoming Friday is their show for this month. What does second cousin mean again? Our parents are first cousins. Okay. One of our parents are first cousins with each other. Gotcha. His father is first cousins with my mother. Okay. That's what that means. Um, in the time we have left, do you want to make a prediction for who you think will run in 2020? Hey, how about this? Who do you think will run slash who would you like to see nominated? I would like to see every single person who, who Politico is profiled to run to run. I want 17 candidates to run for president Okay, in the, in, in the Democratic primary. And I'd like to see a Republican try and primary Trump. I'd like to see John Kasich primary Trump. He's thinking about it. I hope he does. Yeah. I, the more the merrier. I, I, first off, I he want won't win. I want all of these centrist you know, Dems to run, get 0.05% in Iowa, 1% in New Hampshire, drop out before South Carolina because they know they can never go past that. And I, I, I want them to do it because I'm so tired of them getting free press. Uh, who? Off, uh, mostly Michael Bloomberg and Joe Biden is who I'm thinking of. I'm really very, very tired so you of would, both of them. Okay, so you don't want Joe Biden? You would not? No, no, Could you no. support he's Joe Biden? Right, no, he's not, no. I mean, no. Oh, I'm going to vote for, <laughs> I'm going to vote for, would you okay. support Bernie Sanders? Would you? Sure. Yeah. But I would have supported him had he beaten Hillary. Yeah, I never absolutely. would have been on that like, <laughs> never Bernie. <laughs> right. Whatever. Hashtag never Bernie. Which bothers me. You yeah. know that bothers me. Oh, absolutely. But you weren't on that Oh, of course, I would, of course I would vote for a Democrat. I, would vote for, I mean, absolutely. I'd vote for Joe Biden. Never a Jill Stein. I would be a never Jill Steiner. Um, She's a physician who's against vaccines. If Jill Stein ran in the Democratic primary, I'd and consider- won. Then sure, I would vote. I, I, there's a very good chance that I'll vote for any Democrat who get, wins the primary. But yeah, how about Beto? Who do you think is the number one? Because apparently, oh, everyone loves Beto. I don't right know. Now. I don't know if I did, and I don't dislike him. I just, I'm, I'm, all I'm thinking about is who can win. Beto is sexy. He is so hot. I mean, who's your favorite? Who's my favorite? Yeah. Uh, the person who's furthest to the left, probably. Uh, <laughs> Ooh, I don't even know who that is. I guess Bernie is probably going to be the person. I mean, Bernie. I like Bernie and Warren. Frankly, I like them both. Uh, I think that Warren's written some pretty amazing legislation about banking regulation and about like financial industry regulation. I mean, she's a she's brilliant. Who do you want? I don't know at don't this know. point. I really don't. I was. I did like Joe Biden because I thought he was a. I thought he had a lot of energy, and I thought that he appealed to a lot of like the people in Michigan and Pennsylvania who voted for Trump. Like, yeah. I thought that they would easily come back for Biden, and I do think that. But I don't know. I, I think that I'm very open to other people. And I also think that I don't want him to run just because he thinks, you know, it's my time to run. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's because it, if that's the I... case, then it's a little past your turn. Like, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I do like Biden. Though. I feel like he more appealed to blue collar people before he was the second in command uh i thought he did like, a pretty good job as vice president for he did what, a great job for what the vice president does which he was is a nothing. perfect vice president <laughs> dick as cheney a, uh, dick cheney was a masterful vice president but that does not make him an ideal vice president oh no he was a very powerful vice president right the most powerful vice president ever uh, yeah that i can think of so it is what else do you want do we have any other projects coming up are you working on anything new uh i've got a mcsweeney's piece coming out uh in january be on the lookout for that and i don't know just trying to write and just uh stay published i guess and i don't know just trying to trying to stay busy come on your show as uh often as i can i guess yeah that's my yeah you're welcome back anytime (laughs) you're you were my first guest ever 
I was your first guest yeah, ever. Yeah, because I started the show in November of 2016. Oh, And wow. you came in December of 2016. Oh, my God. In that old uh, yeah. place in uh, Bed-Stuy, I guess. It, well, it was... Uh, yeah, it was on DeKalb. Oh, it was so creepy. We had to like sneak into a. It a, was an a old bike shop. Broken, a broken down <laughs> bike shop. Well, and it was a record store at the time. Yeah, but yeah, it yeah. was cooler than this, and I don't mean cooler like that's hip. I mean cooler like yeah, <laughs> it is a sauna in here. Yeah. Well, okay, so you've been listening to the next best thing on Radio Free Brooklyn. My guest tonight has been David Bradley Eisenberg. Catch his show at the sidewalk <laughs> at the sidewalk cafe on. Avenue A, 94 Avenue A. And you can check out, you can find out more about them, facebook.com slash second cousins show. And uh, yeah, anything else you want to promote before we say goodnight? Um, no, just no, just myself. Follow me on Twitter uh, at David Bradley EYE. I guess I could always use more followers. Absolutely. Who couldn't? Yeah. <laughs> and I say this every week. I mean it more and more every week. Apathy is the enemy. Know what's going on. Read the news, especially now because there's a lot going on. Care about what's going on. Take some action and perhaps make a change. For Radio Free Brooklyn, this has been The Next Best Thing. I'm Jonathan B. Lerner. Good night.